I personally am a smoker. I go out and I smoke. Mm -hmm. And inmates know because as soon as I come back, they stand real close to me and they're like, (laughs) you smell so good. (laughs) Hi, it's Justin. And I'm Laura. And it's count time. Formal counts. Show me your wristband. (laughs) We have someone very special here on this episode. Would you like to introduce yourself? Or Justin, do you want to do the honors? I would like to do the honors. So this is R. What is special about him is he has been in corrections for how long? 18 years. 18 years as a correctional officer in jail. So we're going to be talking this week about... A number of different things as far as how that affects a person. I know for me, my sentence in the feds was seven years. I did six. And in the state, let's round up. I did two. So I've got eight years. It definitely had an effect on me. I wanted to ask you, what kind of effect do you think it has on you, on your mental health, on the different things that you go through on a daily basis? I know being in an environment like that can be incredibly rewarding in a certain way, but at the same time, you're exposed to so much negativity on a daily basis. How do you go through every day and then go home and be like, I'm good, knowing that you have to go back the next day? I mean, at least you get to leave. I mean, that's a big plus. Yeah, the way we phrased it before was that it wasn't just the prisoners who were serving time, but the staff members as well. And I'm not sure how you felt about that comment, but... (laughs) Some of us deal with it with our own substance abuses. Mm -hmm. Um, There is high alcoholism. There is uh, a lot of Mm. um, possible therapy if you needed to. Me, personally, I am a genuinely positive person for the most part. So... I usually try to leave work behind. Once I walk out, I try my best not to worry about it. Tomorrow's going to be a new day, a new day, a new challenge. Every day is a different (laughs) set of challenges, no matter what. And that's also a benefit, though, because you're not going into Mm -hmm. a job that's so boring that you're sitting at a desk staring at the wall. Correct. You know, Something at any time could go off, and I mean, it's not exciting, but it's like your days are not monotonous. It's, it's, and I, I hope I don't offend anyone by saying this, but it is mostly adult daycare. Absolutely. (laughs) That's absolutely what it is. What did you used to say? It was a fucked up high school? A fucked up high school mixed with an old folks home. Right. It is. Because you have to, you have to balance 64, up to 64 personalities. And there are strong personalities, there are weak personalities. You have to figure out how you're going to deal with those individuals. Spoiler alert, being... The strong personality is what you want to be in jail. (laughs) Yes, but you can't be so strong that you think that you are. Oh, no, because the staff will beat you down. Yeah. (laughs) You don't get targeted either. Exactly. Yeah, that's. No, there's a very fine line. And in our, in, in the job that we do, we are trained to 
see who's being targeted uh. and to get them away from being targeted. Or if someone's strong, get them, not put them in their place, but make sure that they know that they're really not in charge of that certain area. And that that can be both positive and negative. Right. Because if I'm coming in, like, because everybody goes to jail for the first time, you know, at some time. You know, I mean, not everybody, but if you go to jail, it, there's a first time for you, you right. know, like. Yeah, yeah. And so those, I know for me, my first time in jail was terrifying. I never thought I was going to ever go to jail. When I did finally go to jail, I was like, well, I'll be out in an hour. You know, they're not going to let me. <laughs> they're not going to keep me, you know, and, and like, because I was entitled. I was, you know. This isn't me, you know, but it was. It definitely was. I never Fun felt- fact, I've done my own time right. way prior before that. All right, so I have a bunch of questions. Okay, go. But they're not <laughs> the questions I thought I was going to want to ask. <laughs> I told you that's why we don't write things down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, I, Justin, do you want to say something before I go off of my thing? <laughs> so all I was going to say was I was scared, but pretty much just kind of kept to myself. I didn't really mm. like, it's not hard to figure out how to jail. The verb. people that <laughs> don't know, they, they come in thinking they're all hard and they're going to, they're going to show off. They want to run shit. They're just going to cause problems for themselves. You know, like if you know how to do time, <laughs> you know how to be respectful, you know how to keep to yourself, keep your days going, you know, well, and then usually you don't have any issues with staff or what's, other inmates. What's the biggest phrase? Do your own time. Yeah, do your own time. You got to come up with a a routine. That's the most important thing. Having something to do every hour. This is what I do at this time every single day. Mm-hmm. So a benefit for me was I had a job. And I've talked about this before. And this is in county. I don't know how people don't have a job when they go to prison, though, because it's got to be just like – so monotonous because if you got a 10 year prison sentence, you have a lot of years to fill with nothing. Mm-hmm. You can only do so many burpees. We would go out and do 500 burpees every day. And I was just thinking, do you know what kind of torture that is? I would be almost dead at the end of this. And I'd just be like, well, it only took an hour and a half. Now, like, what else am I going to do? You know, like, oh, wow. and most people do that in a lot less time. Too. <laughs> but speaking from the county jail side, the only thing I was thinking was the people that go for the first time and just immediately get into a fight or immediately become targeted. You don't want to be, I don't think anybody is just going to jail looking to bully another person. I mean, maybe a couple people might, but I never saw that ever. The people that were targeted usually deserved to be targeted. And I know that that's coming from a mentality of some form of institutionalization, you know, like he deserved it because he's a rat or, you know, a child molester or something like that. But in actuality, usually it's just somebody who's very disrespectful, somebody who doesn't have any courtesy, farting right in front of another man, you know, like while he's trying to drink his coffee. I mean, that happens all the time. I've talked about the smells in prison. Yeah, it's, yeah, you have. It's right. disgusting. You have to like be so conscious of how you're behaving every single minute of every day. If you can do that, you'll be fine. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And I mean, but talk about how you have perceived those things because you've worked so, housing units. So I've worked many different jobs within this career. Right. And when... When you work in a housing unit, 
you have to be extra vigilant with what's going on. And you are in these housing units for a specific number of days. Mm -hmm. So you get to know these people. And we're getting to know you too. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Yeah, you like each other. You you understand when I'm going to do stuff or if I'm angry or you understand what I have to do and when I have to do it. And people will make trouble for you when you're asking that trays are coming in or when meds are the day room. Yeah. You'll get those people that, you know, want to buck the system no matter what. And Oh, it's so infuriating. It is. (laughs) Because they would, they would just for, Context. Mm-hmm. One thing we've never talked about is how meds are distributed in a county jail environment where 50 out of the 64 people are on some sort of mental health medication or just general, you know, medication. So you have a nurse that comes on a cart. She's pushing a cart into the housing unit. For security, you can't have everybody milling about because right. who knows what's being distributed. I think they've changed a lot in, in recent years, but in the past, they used to distribute narcotics and I, All it would take would be one person to knock that lady over, you know, and take all of the drug. So one of the things that they do is they clear the housing unit, which means everybody has to get up, whether they take meds or not, and go back to their bunks or to the area where there's there's no TV. So it might be in the middle of a really good basketball game, something like that. So you might have a group of six to eight guys that just ignore it. They just refuse to move, you know. And so then at that point, it escalates because the people that – want to just get meds over with because it usually takes 20 minutes at the most and they're gone and then you can go back to your night. Yeah. If but, that. but if you got these jackasses that just don't respect anybody, so then everybody's being punished for these people. Yeah. So I have a couple comments to that kind of looping back to some things you were saying before. Mm-hmm. One, do you feel like People in your position or any staff of any correctional facility, they kind of get jaded from just repeatedly going through some of oh, the yeah, same negative. Definitely. Do you think so? Do you think that's the primary cause, or do you think some of it is cultural and outside of those experiences? Just the the kind of person that's in those types of roles, or just kind of compound against each other? I can tell you firsthand. You lose faith in humanity so fast (laughs) that you just, everybody's a target. You don't sit with your back towards a door in a restaurant. You don't, (laughs) you read a room as you're walking in. You look for cues of what's going on before you even entertain the fact of going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it gets... Really annoying, really fast. Yeah, well, I'd use a different word, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in some communities, the facilities aren't that big or the community's not that big. Right. So you will run into these people. Yeah, and that's also something that you've always been cautious about too in just the different things that you're doing. And that's something that's kind of a hindrance because you can't just go somewhere and see somebody that maybe worked for you or you worked in a housing unit for, what is it, three months is the average rotation. So you're three months with somebody and you're at a bar and you're totally okay to go to a bar. That's your life. You haven't done anything wrong. 
but this person that you maybe had a problem with when you were working in this, or they, or they had a problem, with or you. they had a problem with you and the way you did things, and they thought you were harassing them. And now, now he has the power too now, because you're mm-hmm. on even footing. Yeah, we're in we're in public. So, so well, I want to get back then to you mentioned some people have different things that they use to cope. Therapy is one of them. Yes, but it sounds like even through going through all of that, I hope you're being trained. How to de-escalate a situation. I have a couple friends that are people I grew up with that are police officers or they're in law enforcement and they don't have the level of training I would have expected them to. And I know other people who have said, well, we really need to have corrections officers then go into policing (laughs) at some point because they have different kinds of de-escalation training. Because they may not have a stun gun, pepper spray. It's an enclosed area. They aren't giving you pepper spray or a gun. We have none of that. None of it. My only weapon is my mouth. Mm -hmm. And Well, and how you treat people. It's not just your mouth, but it's how you interact with your fellow human. It's a key part. You had a button, too, you know, that calls yeah. 50 of your compatriots. You know? <laughs> My personal de-escalation was I started a new relationship when I started the jail. Mm-hmm. And okay. that spouse basically worked the jail with me, mm-hmm. even though they weren't employed. Okay. They would listen they would let me vent okay. and then they would, they would then talk me through my day of what had happened, what wow. could have happened. It benefited me the best that I had a partner who would listen right. and who would care yeah. and wanted to know and wanted to understand. Mm-hmm. It got to the point to give me 30 minutes. Let me wash the smell off. Yeah. Let me take a shower. Let me change into my grungies. And then we can go about our day. And as soon as that 30 to 45 minutes was over, boom. Life is good again. Yep. Right back. I was, and I was lucky to have someone like that. There are people that we turn to each other. There are times when we have a really, really hard day yeah. and you need another person in that profession to yeah. talk to and just bounce your ideas off of yeah. and what, what you went through. And so there's a lot of peer support. Oh, that's good to hear. For sure. And you know, what's interesting is you don't notice that so much when you're there as an inmate. I didn't ever really see the CO's I mean, sometimes you'd you'd see them talking and chopping it up or whatever. But for the most part, they don't do that in front of us. They're not, you know, just kicking it, talking shit or whatever in front of us. They're being professional because you can't let down your guard at all and show that I'm a real person. You got to keep that uniform on and maintain control. You don't want the inmate ear hustling what you're having to say. Right. True, because there we are doing that. If you are discussing something that had happened a couple of days ago, right? The the inmate will hear about it, and everyone will know. Everybody knows everything. <laughs> inmate.com. I was just gonna say, inmate.com. 
So, so that kind of plays hand in hand with the curiosity I have. We've discussed things like going to a job interview right. or just interacting with people who didn't know you had a record. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, you have a record and you yeah. just get that side glance um, <laughs> or the, the double eye bat. For you, obviously, it looks different. But do you feel like you're treated differently once someone knows you are a corrections officer? The usual, when I mention my profession to any random person, mm-hmm. I usually get A, oh, I know so-and-so. Do you know so-and-so? <laughs> right. B, oh, I've been there. <laughs> oh, goodness. Or C, is it like Oz? Yeah. <laughs> and... It's, it's always on there. Yeah. On the there's, list, yeah. There's somewhere it's like, or is it like Orange is the New Black? Right. Or is it like this that I've seen? Is it really <laughs> that? Up raw. Yeah. <laughs> is it really that bad? And some places, some places it probably is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. For me personally, my job is 90% mental and mm-hmm. 10% physical. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I. I have the ability of communication and I have the ability to read a person and understand, even empathize with them. I right. said earlier, I've done time. It was short, but it was there. Right. And I still had a housing unit and I was on the other side of that door. And this was. And that's rare. This is way back in the 90s. So do you feel this helps you relate to your inmates? We're serving time too. We've, it's been said that I'm doing a life sentence just eight hours at a time or 12 hours at a time. Yeah. Every day I go back to the, to my job Mm -hmm. and I have to deal with the same people that I keep seeing for that rotation. And they get to know you. They get to know your habits. They get to know what your bathroom break is like. They get to know, (laughs) I personally am a smoker. I go out and I smoke. Mm -hmm. And inmates know because as soon as I come back, they stand real close to me and they're like, (laughs) you smell so good. (laughs) I'm always like, hey, just, uh, just bring one in. Like, would I risk my career? Right. No, no, <laughs> no, absolutely not, because that would be a terrible thing to do. But do you see a lot of that? Oh, yeah. In the county jail side? What does that look like? Does it usually happen in the first year? Do you know exactly who's going to be trouble? No. You Out of the new recruits? No. I know I've heard a number of stories over the years, and I've met a number of people over the years that have gotten involved with COs. So, mm. and it's usually somebody who's very charming. Who's very... The C word. I'm sorry. Anyone who's overly charming, I immediately about <laughs> face and hike it. Well, then you're missing out on so many great people. I mean... Oh, yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. It's, it's the charismatic person that... Or someone who's halfway intelligent that can hold a conversation right. over anything from... Sociopath. Yeah. Right. It could either be <laughs> a really decent person or a sociopath. That, that's right. really the only two options when you're dealing with an inmate who's trying to uh, get involved with no. an officer. Because the only objective here and that I've seen, and this is not in the county jail side because I've never seen some, some of that happen, but I knew a guy who was in like a three-year relationship with uh, his case manager in Pekin, Illinois, at, mm. which is a medium federal security prison wow. or a federal 
medium security prison. And she was bringing in drugs for him. She brought in cell phones. She brought in anything he asked for. And they spent all day together. He was her orderly. So you know how we've talked about like all the different jobs somebody would have in prison? Well, he worked directly for her. So he emptied her trash every day. He took care of whatever she asked him to do. That's how they met. And she did get discovered and, of course, was walked out. Usually they're not prosecuted unless they can prove it. You know, that they, they you can't just prosecute somebody for okay. sleeping with an inmate. You know, that, you know, there's Actually, no proof. Actually, you can. Yeah. It turns into a he said, she said thing. Right. And then, obviously, there's investigations and all that other stuff. Right. And then you got lawsuits opening up right. because you're dealing with a government agency. So, yeah, there's all sorts of things. Can I say it's not always negative? So, my, you know that my grandfather is in yes. prison and he and my grandmother, my grandmother is my biological grandmother. He is my, I guess, my step-grandfather, but he's my grandpa. Sure. They met when she was teaching in his prison. Really? She was teaching. So at the time... I didn't even know this. They had totally different programs back then. Obviously, this yeah. is the 70s and 80s, so totally different. Things were a little bit looser. Well, well different. <laughs> um, but she, one of the classes she taught was Braille. And okay. Grandpa was bored, so he took this Braille class, and he immediately was like, oh, pretty lady. Right. Because any lady we're going to be any able to lady, see. But, but Grandma and I, I have photos. Actually, I posted photos So recently. did he marry this woman? Yeah. So that then is, he got married. Why have you not told me this? Is, well, I've told you he's, well, oh, did I not tell You've oh, never told that? me that he married somebody he met in prison who was yeah. working at the prison. Yeah, she was working at the prison. That's yeah. incredible. And she she did have to stop working at the I don't know if she stopped right away. I think they were allowed, yeah. like, because they told that whoever was they in were charge very over upfront. her. They were like, hey, <laughs> we're starting to see each other. So but she was really good friends with actually his best friend. Oh, okay. And they were Sully's for a number of years. So I And I wonder if that's part of why he was taking that class. I don't know. But so yeah. the three of them were really good friends. And then fast forward, they ended up getting married. And wow. they, they are the most healthy, ironically, <laughs> most healthy marriage I've ever witnessed myself wow. personally. Isn't that like, sad? <laughs> well, yeah, that our society talk is about so about crazy love, though, like just head over heels in love. There have been people that I've known throughout the years that would see people after their... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But not... I don't know anyone personally that has ever crossed that line. Mm. Only right. because... That's that's do not pass go. Yeah, <laughs> you lose everything, you know. So you ha you might be two years away from retirement or whatever it is, and you've put all this time into the county or or government or whatever you're doing, and then you lose it all because you fell in love with somebody and it came out and you weren't honest. Right. You didn't ask the appropriate ways to deal with it because I mean they can't stop you from loving who you love. Well, but they can kick you out of their facility. But they can yes. say you're not going to do it here. You know, because it is a security issue. My grandma was, God bless her, she was pretty uptight. Um, so she definitely wasn't about to cross any unruly boundaries. Right. I can't imagine her tying her shoelaces incorrectly. We all go about our day from the moment we wake up what our mood's going to be. Mm. And if you have a Karen at <laughs> treating you crappy on the way into work, yeah. it's going to affect... Part of, it's not supposed to, but it does. You're human. You're human. Now, I personally have never dealt with 
visitation side of it. Uh-huh. I've witnessed some, and I've witnessed some people that are very, very good and very welcoming, and mm-hmm. they know who's coming in on this day, this day, right. this day, and they know who's doing like how many kids they have and did they bring mm. so and so and they've they've done like little candy gifts and stuff like yeah. that but then i've seen other people who are absolutely just not they're too miserable to craft <laughs> you know like they're just like oh here's another person right come to see baby mama come to see baby daddy yep. and it's just like ugh, do i have to deal with this again yeah. And I I say it again though. You you get to go home and in all honesty, it seems like a fairly like low physical labor job, you know, like you it know, is. Some people, you know, might have to do a little bit more, but for the most part it's not exerting to that point. You might have to run like once or twice a week. Like this when the, when code blue when code blue is called, you know, and, and you have to at least look like you're hurrying to the to the fight. You don't do that anymore. Those days have passed. You don't even get up. I go if I'm required. Oh, sure, of course, of course. But I luckily have now got <laughs> a pretty cush gig. Yeah, but it took you a while to get there. What was that like getting to where you are now? Well, when it comes back to it, it comes back to humanity. Mm-hmm. And my first my first thing is you. Within the first couple of years, you lose all faith in humanity. But then you get to know these individuals. And it's not their sentence. It's not their their charges or what they could be facing. It's more about, for me anyway, it's more about getting to know this person as a person. They're not a number. Right. They're still a human. There's still, hmm. we have to do, we have to find some common ground to get along with. And for me, I found that just talking to them mm-hmm. and uh, a good example is today I had an individual that wasn't feeling the best and I made the appropriate calls, got him in to talk to who he needed to talk to. It helped him out. And now he's, moving on with his daily routine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Well, it's great. We're all your neighbors. That's <laughs> what you do for each other. <laughs> I love that you use the word humanity, and you clearly put it in the forefront that is a central part of your job, of your morals, and you give people a sense of dignity back. Yes. Now, I would love to chat a little bit more about the job culture that you're in, some of the politics maybe even that we don't know about, because I'm really interested in that. Would you be willing to do a part two? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Music by Elliot Torres and Matt Williams. Logo art by Nick Chalupa with Hikari Studios. Produced by Laura Leatherwood. Help the reentry community by visiting csrice.org or by visiting our own website at counttimepod.com. Thank you for listening, and just remember, we're all your neighbors.